KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I've gotten to see a lot of beautiful things here. Getting drafted here, the dream come true uh, for me and my family. Uh, just the atmosphere for the U.S. Open Cup is so amazing. The, the fans have been amazing. I remember Claverson's free kick against Toronto. So there's a lot of things that, uh, a lot of memorable moments that I always will remember. It's been an amazing ride. And our guest this week, Philadelphia Union standout defender Ray Gaddis, been with the squad since 2012. Uh, Ray, thanks so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. First of all, been with the squad since 2012. Does that seem possible when you take a step back and think about uh, being in Philadelphia this long? Oh, for sure. Uh, You know, I grew up in an era where uh, it was cool to play for one team. As I've gotten older and older, I've definitely seen the reality of that being uh, the case. Uh, I've enjoyed my time here in Philadelphia. Uh, Me being from a blue collar place, uh, such as Indianapolis, Indiana, I know I fit uh, right at home uh, here in Philadelphia. So 2020 has been a lot of things, and it's been a lot of things for a lot of people. What has this year been like for you on multiple different levels? I mean, 2020 has most definitely been a year, I think, that we all will remember. Um, It's been a very emotional year. It's been a a very uh, unorthodox year. It's definitely got us out of our norms. I know for myself, you know, it's been a year of growing, uh, especially off the field. You know, I've had uh, significant others who have uh, uh, lost their life due to COVID-19. I see the the injustice that's going on in America, especially as an African-American male, to stand up and use my platform also to advocate for peace and to try to bring understanding and try to break down cross-cultural barriers. Uh, it's been a year of being responsible uh, to have uh, conversations, uh, not only in this locker room, but in, in the public, uh, having marched in Indianapolis, Indiana, to try to bring some reform with uh, some of the laws there. Um, advocating for change. Uh, it's been a year that is, we've seen a lot of change uh, just in various components of life. But it's, it's been a year that has definitely kept not only myself, but I think everybody on their toes for the most part. Between the pandemic, between the injustice, between the soccer, do you find yourself exhausted, energized, somewhere in between? You know, uh, me, me, be, me being a man of God, you know, I'm rejuvenated by what's called the Holy Spirit. You know, God allows me to understand that uh, the circumstances that I see uh, in the natural uh, aren't always going to be the same. And he gives me hope every day. So I thank the Lord uh, for being my base uh, because one can be discouraged and one can be uh, feeling, like you said, uh, a little tired of seeing uh, some of the same things that continue to go on. But for me, I, like I said, I mentioned the word responsible. You know, I think that it's my responsibility to be the strength of my family, but also those who look up to me. Uh, it's not always easy, but every day that I get to play the game that I love, but every day that I, I, I get to wake up in the morning due to the Lord, it's another day to continue to press on and continue to do what he's asking of me 
talking about the Lord. And like I said, I think it's uh, he's placed me in this place to use this platform, uh, not only to play soccer, but also to to use it to exalt his name, but also bring change and to speak up for the voices as well. Talking about the the fight for social justice, uh, you helped form the Black Players Coalition of MLS. For people that aren't familiar, talk about what that is and what you guys are doing. Uh, Black Players for Change, I mean, it's just a group that was formed literally uh, with a group of players who all saw the same tragedy of the late George Floyd, but not only him, several others, both men and women, and uh, we wanted more representation uh, within the soccer realm of things, especially in Major League Soccer. But again, we're, we're here not only to advocate for people of color, but to allow other people to really have an understanding that we can coexist uh, in this world. And I think that's lost on times, uh, on people at times. Uh, but the group is, is here to, to really to empower uh, also African-Americans and people of color to allow them to know that they can be whoever they want to be, not just soccer players, uh, although we're soccer players, but also, again, to break down cross-cultural barriers. Uh, this beautiful game that we play, it's the world's game. We're talking about soccer. Uh, it really has allowed us to come together on so many facets, and, and, and we've come together to believe that we can do it again um, just as a collective uh, of Black players within Major League Soccer. I feel like when we talk about the racial injustice in this country we've had a lot of moments where we think things are going to change and it seems like we revert pretty much to status quo does this moment this year this 2020 does it feel different to you you know i think we're we're in the right step every day every day is an opportunity for change that's my approach uh and you know sometimes change is comes quick and sometimes change takes a little bit of time. Um, obviously, we have an election coming up on November 3rd that's going to either push things forward or uh, go in a different direction. But I think that uh, change, change is definitely needed. I'm, I'm one person to admit that I don't have all the answers uh, because you know the same things that are occurring in 2020, they essentially have rebirthed themselves. Like, for example, you know, we are always taught in history classes about Emmett Till, the things that he went through and, and or other African-Americans who are uh, profiled in our history books. And in present day, we see it daily now due to technology. So until people with the right heart posture and the right mindset uh, want to actually evoke change, then change will come. Um, that's what I believe. So let's talk about a little bit now about your life in soccer. Growing up in Indianapolis, was soccer always at the top of your sports list, or were you somebody? Were you a kid that played whatever was being played in the neighborhood with your friends, and and uh, depended on the season and who was out there? No, I mean Indiana. I mean it's not a secret. Indiana's a big basketball state. Uh, I went to high school with Eric Gordon, uh, who plays on the Rockets. He's just one grade above me. Uh, but my parents did a great job. Uh, they're exceptional parents. I can't praise them enough for investing time and the love in me. They let me play whatever I wanted to play. Um, actually, my dad always thought I was going to play baseball. I was a big baseball guy, but I ran track too. And, um, you know, I actually was really in love with, you know, uh, uh, ice skating, you know, to be honest. It's, it's pretty cold in Indianapolis, but 
I actually start playing at this place called Tab. It's called the Tabernacle, where George Hill also grew up playing basketball, plays for the Milwaukee Bucks. And since they put me in soccer, I've always loved to just play soccer. Uh, I love the team uh, aspect of it. And uh, I had to make a major decision uh, regarding uh, whether to play baseball or play soccer, and I end up choosing soccer. And my high school actually is my uh, head coach just uh, retired. One of the most prolific high school uh, and national high school coaches uh, in the nation's name is Jerry Little uh, from the North Central Panthers. Um, seven titles, over an easy 400 or 500 wins, 40-something years playing. You know, I give credit to him because he's had a lot of great uh, soccer players that come through his program that won national titles at, at, at the collegiate level. Uh, but I'm, I'm thankful for it to be in a great environment where my high school is a powerhouse and my school district was a powerhouse in soccer. When do you start to realize that soccer can take you further than most? When do you start to realize you don't just enjoy it, but you're you're pretty good at it, and maybe this can open some doors that it wouldn't be able to for most kids? Oh, uh, I mean, at an early age. At the time, it was the Olympic Development Program, uh, what we call ODP uh, back then, and now ESP, uh, ESP is still a thing uh, within Major League Soccer. But when you get invited to the ESP campus, the 100, I want to say 120 best players, and then there's some goalies added in there. Um, I want to say around really 9 and 10, when I started to be able to travel and go to different states, uh, I always knew that soccer would take me place. There's actually a, a story where I was three or four years old and my dad's recording me. And I said I was going to be an All-American. I said I was going to be a professional soccer player. Obviously, I didn't know about the Philadelphia Union because they weren't in existence then. But I always had that belief that uh, soccer was going to take me places. You go to college at West Virginia. Why'd you choose the Mountaineers? And were there other schools that were close in uh, being landing spots for you? Sure. I mean, obviously, like I said, me being from Indiana, I use right in my backyard. And uh, they're a notable choice with their stature in soccer. Uh, for me, uh, going to grade school, preliminary school, middle school, high school with the same kids, I, I wanted something different. Uh, that was uh, part of the reason. But at the same time, though, uh, I wanted a different experience in life. I wanted to go to a major all-around sports school. Uh, and at the time, my academics were very uh, central to me and or still are. I actually got my master's degree from West Virginia University in integrated marketing and communications. And at that time, it was in the Big East. We got to play against uh, people such as my teammates, as Andre Blake. He was a prolific player at UConn. Uh, but every weekend we had a ranked game, whether it was against St. John, whether it was against uh, South Florida. I'm trying to think of all the teams because the conferences have changed. Uh, like I said, the Yukons, uh, the Louisvilles, playing Villanova's, the Seton Hall, and they had a grass field. So I really just enjoyed West Virginia, and I really fell in love. You know, Indiana's a rural place, too, at the same time, and the culture there was amazing. Uh, I fell in love with the, the campus, and it's a place that I also call home to this day. Throughout your career at West Virginia, are you confident that pro soccer is going to be a possibility for you and that's going to be a door that's going to be open? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Marlon LeBlanc, uh, he's, the, he's the Philadelphia Union 2 coach now, and it seems like I can't get away from him. And... Uh, he allowed me the opportunities to really excel. And after my first year and getting a taste and knowing that I could play with some of the people that I had seen get drafted uh, in the MLS draft and or go play in various places, I definitely felt that I had the opportunity to really, really excel. And 
uh, it was going to be up to me uh, whether or not uh, I could play at the next level. Was well before we we talk more about the the path forward. Were you always a defender? High school, college? Did you did you play any offense at certain point? I know with the younger you are, the more interchangeable it is. But was were you always on that path to to be a fullback? No, no. Actually, you know, I think I thank the Lord for my experiences of playing soccer, starting off like uh, 11, 12, really, really all the way up until maybe I got to like thirteen or fourteen. I was actually a striker, and. Um, you know, and the reason why I give testament to my experience playing striker is because it's really helped me in the long end as a defender. Uh, because I played striker, I, I actually understand some of the movements and or, you know, the positioning and some of the things that they try to do. And it really has helped me uh, when I game plan and or watch other tendencies of strikers that I go up against. Uh, I want to say like uh, 13 through 18, I was a defensive midfielder. I would just try to win the ball and, and crush guys. Only when I got to national team pool and or uh, the college that I started to really play outside back. And then in college, I played outside back, and then that's where they saw me as, and, and I played it ever since. So as the draft is approaching in 2012, what are you hearing? Is it obvious Philadelphia is interested in you? Are you surprised when they're the ones that pull the trigger? Kind of take me back to that time leading up to end the draft. No, actually, you know, my senior year uh, was a great senior year, uh, uh, preseason All-American, and we actually were playing UConn, and I sustained a, a substantial injury. And, you know, nothing that I didn't bounce back from, but, you know, I kind of went off the radar, even after having a good career at West Virginia. And I want to thank the Lord for allowing me to, to play at Reading United. Uh, when I played at Reading United, it really allowed for exposure for the Philadelphia Union to see me. And because of the injury in college, uh, I, kind of, I kind of dropped in the draft. And actually, a great story, really. They didn't even expect me to come to the draft. No one did, not even MLS. And I was praying in the middle of the night, and the Holy Spirit came to me and said, you know, you're going to get drafted and actually narrowed down the teams uh, specifically. And my parents were like, are you sure? And we drove in the middle of the night in the winter night uh, in January and got there right when the draft started. And a lot of names went by, a lot of names went by. And, you know, the first round went by and actually one of the guys who played on my childhood teams, uh, Matt Hedges, who plays for FC Dallas, me and him played on the same club team growing up. He got drafted, so we were sitting together and our families have known each other since we were like 10 years old, 10, 11 years old. And second round came and uh, my name was called and they were already ready to go to the next person. And they were like, oh, wait, he's here. And, uh, you know, even the Philadelphia Union staff at that time was very shocked that I was in attendance. But now that's the belief that the Lord had put in the capabilities he given me as well as that I had in, in listening to the spirit of the Holy Ghost. What did you know about Philadelphia, and what did you know about the Union when you got drafted? Uh, no, I, knew, I knew quite a bit, actually, because, uh, like I said, I played for Reading. And uh, shout-out to Nick Bibbs. He's the one that really in, introduced me to Philadelphia and the sights and sounds of, uh, you know, Pennsylvania as a whole. Um, he's the one that really exposed me to a lot of – I'm a big foodie guy. So, you know, I knew about Philadelphia and the Eats here, man. They're, they're really good. Being with him, and it was, like, it was like he was a little bit more advanced from where I was. Indiana's completely different. So is West Virginia than, than Philly. But 
he basically gave me like the the tutorial, you know, the Cliff Notes version uh, of the do's and don'ts in Philly. But uh, from then, I fell in love with Philly, and I knew it was always an opportunity. And I've had uh, I had a couple of friends that got drafted here too, uh, Levy Hapu at the time uh, who played on Reading also with me. So it was a great opportunity uh, when I got here. How's the transition? To professional soccer obviously you were playing at a high level but I would imagine MLS is more than that what how difficult was the transition uh and what was the hardest thing to adjust to I mean uh, I mean uh just the, the the regiment uh in college I think that you, you train every day uh but you get all time but it's not as frequent and the adjustment just was the speed of play initially you know I think I had all the physical attributes I can read the game. Obviously, the game has uh, progressed light years, uh, even in 2020 now, the talent pool. And I'm just thankful that I've been able to adjust every step of the way. MLS is a lead that's, that's really starting to go higher and higher among some of the greatest leads in the, uh, in the world. Uh, but it was just the speed of play at the first part. And then once you catch on to that, uh, I think West Virginia University prepared me with the tactics uh, from, from a playing standpoint and also the physicality standpoint uh, with their weight room regiment. Uh, so it, it was the speed of play. And it's a long season. That's the thing. I think MLS, it's a grind. There's not a lot of off-season from one in normal times, you know, when you're not in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, was that overwhelming at first? Like you fight through and get through that first season and then it's, you know, a couple months and we're right back to training? Or did it help accelerate? you think your development because you got right back into it. it it helped accelerate it wasn't a shock I mean if this is what you love to do you know this is a part of the job but that was always my mentality but it helped accelerate because I got to work on things so much more in repetition see things from a different point of view and the, the, the staff was amazing so it, it really helped accelerate my development Time for a break here on One on One we will have more with Ray Gaddis of the Philadelphia Union right after this Hey everybody, it's Cherry Gregg here. You may know me around town as KYW News Radio's community affairs reporter, but every week I produce and host Flashpoint, a podcast where we highlight the hot topics in Philadelphia, local newsmakers and changemakers burning things up in our region. From gerrymandering to gender equality and policing in schools, we'll walk you through the flames on Flashpoint. It's available wherever you downloaded this podcast that you're listening to now. So subscribe. Thanks so much. And we are back here on one-on-one. Our guest this week, Philadelphia Union's Ray Gaddis. What are some of your favorite memories from the time with the Union? And given how successful you guys are, some of the best memories are still probably yet to be written. But uh, when you think of your time from 2012 to now, what jumps out at you as times you'll never forget? One of the first things that I remember uh, with the Philadelphia Union will be a uh, my first ever start. Well, obviously, getting drafted here uh, in Kansas City is a dream come true uh, for me and my family and all the people that believed in me. And then uh, my first ever start was our first ever win that season. That's the Columbus Crew. Uh, I always remember that. I remember Claverson's free kick against Toronto. I've gotten to see a lot of beautiful things here. Uh, even though we've been to a couple of championships, uh, just the atmosphere for the U.S. Open Cup is so amazing. The, the fans have been amazing uh, in the time here. Um, I really, really have enjoyed uh, uh, seeing Brendan Aronson this year, being able to 
see the fruits of his labor to be a part of his development and get to know him coming through the academy. You know, I mean, I don't think people look at it from that standpoint, but he's like a little brother to me. And I would like to think that, you know, I helped him along the way. Obviously, he did all the, the work uh, from the soccer standpoint, but just allowing him to comfort him to come into this. These are things that people don't really see that that are big, that may be big to me. I would definitely say uh, winning our first ever playoff game versus New York. How can I forget that? Such a such an amazing win, such something that's amazing, dear to heart. Uh, seeing Coach Curtin develop as a coach, he essentially has come through the ranks uh, with me every step of the way, and he's been here uh, for a long tenure of time now amongst active coaches. And to see his development, you know, he's been able to adjust on the fly. We were talking about that development standpoint and seeing his maturity as a coach. You know, obviously I'm still his player, but to, to be a part of that and to see his success is amazing. Because um, uh, like I said, in this realm of professional soccer, he's been somebody who's been dear to my development as well. So those are, those are, some, of, those are some of the things. Obviously watching, I call him skill senior. But people know him as El Senor, you know, he gets to play in front of me. So I get to see a lot of highlights, you know, myself. So I can go on and on about him. But um, seeing what Warren Carval did in creating a solidarity T-shirt for the MLS's back tournament, it's not always the things that are on the field, but it's things that you are a part of. Uh, the demonstration that the Philadelphia Union took on national television versus NYFC to bring attention to the social justice and how collective we were as a group and really having an opportunity to show that we were on a unified front. I think that that demonstration early in the year from staff down has really helped our team really gel throughout the season and has led to some success because we know that we're in every fight, not just the fight against injustice, but when we take the field, we're in there to fight together as well. So there's a lot of things that, uh, a lot of memorable moments uh, that I always remember. Um, scoring a PK in the U.S. Open Cup versus Sporting KC. It's amazing. It's been an amazing ride. And it's still going. Do you remember the moment, because I always am interested in this, when somebody spends a good amount of time of their career in one place, do you remember the moment when you feel like you transitioned from the young kid to – one of the trusted veterans on the team. Was there a moment when you had a conversation with a rookie or something and you kind of hit you like, wait a minute, I was the guy getting that talk four years ago. This is kind of weird. Yeah, I would say, I would say like, you know, it happened earlier for me, uh, being a long tenure player here, nine years here. Uh, and kind of seeing, like I said, really seeing this amazing group of homegrown players. But uh, I want to say like really – with Derek Jones and uh, his development, he's doing a wonderful job down in Nashville. But that may have been about four to five years ago. I really knew, like, uh, to this day, he he calls he calls me old head because even though I'm young, still in the soccer world, sports realm, you know, you could be considered old uh, because you've been a, been a place or played a long time. And uh, that's kind of when I knew when I started talking to Derek Jones. But in the likes of having conversations with Matt Real, Matt Fries. Mark McKenzie, Anthony Fontana, and and now even more with you got 17-year-olds and you're 30 and you're like, you know, they're talking about anime and they're talking about random stuff and they have to school me on stuff. It's always fun because I get to learn. I look at it as I'm learning also, but being able to relate with my teammates in different aspects, but being able to teach them different things 
so it's it's very interesting, like you know who listening to the who their favorite players are, but then they they do, but they don't know about like you know Sadoff and Jop Stom, who's a coach now, and then they don't know about these players we grew up with. But listening to their favorite players now, that's when you you kind of know not maybe the conversation that you know you're a leader, but you're getting older and you're like, man, wow. So as a player. Where have you grown the most since 2012? Uh, learning not to use my athleticism as much, but also learning in every aspect. I believe that Philadelphia, I've spent my whole adult life here, uh, not only from a soccer standpoint, but uh, from a maturity standpoint that I I grew up a lot and how to handle situations on the field, but how to be a voice uh, to command the team. I really matured in my leadership capabilities as well. I, I've always been a captain on teams before this. But uh, a leader is more than just being a captain. That's what you do on and off the field. I really matured. Uh, I played more games at left back than I did in, as a right back. But people don't know that. And I said, playing on the left side of the field has really made everything so much easier on the right side of the field because you have to read things differently. Uh, my versatility, I've always played multiple positions, has really shown itself, but it's matured and how to play those positions to a max level, even if that's not my primary position. Um, there's a lot of things that I've, I've improved in every aspect since I've been here at the Philadelphia Union organization. How's the game changed? How's the league changed? We've talked about it's exploded, you know, from a media standpoint, growth standpoint, but tactically is, because I think every sport has ebb and flows as to how it's played and, and what's focused on. Have you noticed that? over your career in MLS? For sure. When I first got to the league, it was very much more domesticated uh, with American players. And, you know, the, the, the talent, not saying that, because we're seeing some amazing talents, again, a la Brendan Aronson and potentially Martin McKenzie at the end of the year. And we're seeing what Anthony Fontana ha- is doing. He's on, a, he's on a tear right now. And I'm very proud of these guys who can potentially go to Europe. And you have the Weston McKinney's, you, you know, you have the Tyler Adams. You have these guys that are playing in Champions League. So the United States is producing great players. Uh, but the players who are listed to the world as great talents, they're coming here at a younger age. So the, the level of play has risen as well. Uh, the dynamic, the speed of play has totally increased. Uh, tactically, uh, people are more clinical in front of goal. The opportunities to... Uh, to really win are heightened because of the, the quality of players. Look at a player such as ourselves, as Jamiro Montero. What he does defensively as well as offensively shows his quality in, in being able and him wanting to be here and play in this league. Uh, all aspects of the league have changed, even tactically uh, from a coaching standpoint and how you roll out a team. The, the whole, I guess, the presence or mechanism to, to build your roster from top to bottom, players one through, let's say, 26, you have to have a full team um, because, like you said, the season is so long. So it's not just based off of the one or two players that you sign, the high prolific players that you sign that you think are going to get the job done, uh, but it's the full roster. You can't just be reliant from, like, year one and two. A lot of teams are relying on star, particular stars, but now you need your whole roster. And this year, with so many stops and goals and how many games we played in uh, a rapid succession. You need your whole roster, and, and that's shown as well. You've been through a lot with this organization, ups, downs, 
inconsistencies through the years. You mentioned that first playoff win last year. I feel like last year the the organization, the franchise kind of crossed a threshold, and you guys have taken it to a another level. You are now a legitimate team to be reckoned with, not just in the region, not just in the conference, but in the league. Still work to do, so I don't want to ask this question like the you know the chapter's finished, but how satisfying is it for you as someone who's been here through some lean times to now be able to be a part of something special? It's good. You know, I think I think we always you I think I'll look back on it a little bit more uh, intensely as I get older. But it was good. You know, like I said, uh, Coach Curtin to see it come with him. Four out of the last five years, I believe it is, we made the playoffs. And when we win a playoff game, it's like he's growing as well. Uh, and even uh, doing as well as we did in the MLS back tournament has been amazing. I mean, it's something that we'll look back uh, maybe when I'm sitting down and I'm done with my career. But it's been amazing. You know, I think, I think that the fan base has been rewarded too. Because the fan base has always been amazing, even when I've been here when we weren't doing well as well. I think it was was more of a reward for them. When you're done playing, I think you think about those things a little bit more. Kind of going along with that, all-time leader in minutes played in Union history. First player to make 200 starts, most appearances. Do you ever take a step back to think, and that's just on the field stuff, the impact that you've had on this franchise, or is that another thing that when it's all over, you take that deep breath and look back and go, you know, yeah, I, it, I, I mattered. I, I did a lot here. You know, I thank the Lord again for allowing everybody who believed in me to accomplish these feats. The Lord for allowing me to be healthy. Um, you know, uh, when they happen, I really do smile. And I, I think about how far I've come as a young man. Um, but also that God believed in me and my coaches believed in me enough to, to have these blessings to start for me. You know, uh, I think I'll look, look on them more uh, as I'm older and I sit down and, and when, I, when I have kids and grandkids and say, hey, you know, I was a part of this. I do, I do believe and, you know, I think that I've left a good impact even on our younger players. Uh, the, the, the playing athletes will always come, uh, but the thing that I'm most important of, like you brought up, is you know changing the culture here and being a part of it, being entrusted by our coaches uh, to be a leader, as we touched on, and really pushing this thing. You know, my, my whole concept, and, and like you said, it's not over, is to leave this place better than what I found it uh, in every aspect and, and to leave my, my footprint in the sand with the Philadelphia Union and I've just been thankful, again, for the opportunities that have been allotted to me um, here at this organization. And one thing you, and it's not unusual as a defender, you haven't scored a goal. And there is a section of the fan base that is really, really excited for you to finally score a goal. Do you hear that and enjoy that they're so invested in in you? And it's genuine. It's not, it is, they if when you do score, it's going to be nuts on Twitter. So I mean, do you do you realize that? Do you feel that? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel that. Uh, you know, it is genuine. You know, here being here so long, you know, uh, I have friends who became family that have been a part of the supporter group. Like I said, this these fans have watched me grow up, and I've gotten to watch them grow up and or establish families and some of these people. So I know it's very genuine and. 
you know, it, it'll be a blessing to reward them. And I definitely know that that Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I've been getting a lot of comments this past week, you know, you score, you know, I hope, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a blessing. And I say this in a, in a fun way that uh, the fans aren't in full capacity because it's the thing, you know, if race scores will write and we'll run on the field. I don't want anyone to lose their privileges to come to the game, you know, so I, I always think about that, that, and I do believe that we would have some fans that would run onto the field. And I've seen some older, older videos in, in, in baseball where fans run alongside stars. And, you know, I said, man, I don't want anybody to be suspended or to, to lose their season tickets due to something. But I do believe some fans would do that. So, Ray Gaddis, thanks so much for the time. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you did too. I appreciate you for having me. Thank you so much. And that will do it for this week's episode of One on One. Want to thank Ray Gaddis of the Philadelphia Union for joining us this week. If you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts and you like what you hear, why don't you go ahead and leave us a rating and a review? You can follow the show on Twitter at One on One Pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon Ten Sixty. Thanks again for listening, and tune in again next week when we will have another conversation with someone you should know more about.